Hi there, this is Velma Garns, also known as The Velminator, and you are listening to The Inspired Life with The Velminator. Everyone, Velma Garns here, also known as The Velminator, your permanent results coach. Today we are going to be talking with Kimra Luna. Kimra Luna is an online uh, media sensation. Uh, she's definitely a six-figure income earner. And I was going to read her bio, but I just want to tell you my experience with Kimra Luna because I actually was one of her students. I started off as one of her students. I am running an online business, and I wanted to know all the back ends of how to make everything work. And w- once you learn all the ins and outs, it just becomes that much easier, and you can sort of decide how you want to run your business. But it's just, it's really necessary to learn the basics, and I just thought Kimra Luna has one of the best basics learning course to be able to learn how to construct an online business. Since then, she has moved on to group coaching with one of her colleagues, where she uh, does one-on-one and group coaching with people who are in, have been in the game for a while and want to differentiate themselves. So she does a lot of non-cookie cutter, <laughs> because there's so much cookie cutter and formula coaching. And Kimmer does just not do that. So she's really effective at what she does and really successful with what she does. And I was grateful to cross her path for sure. But she was gracious enough to give me two hours of her time. And it was just amazing to talk with her. So you are pretty much listening in on a conversation between two girlfriends, essentially, like she's just an amazing person. So she was gracious enough with her time. So I have broken up this interview into two parts. There's a part one, of Kimberluna and there is a part two of Kimberluna. So let's stop talking about it and let's see what you can eavesdrop on with a, a conversation with two girlfriends. Okay. But part of me like giving so much because I'm in a season of giving Mm -hmm. and I wanted to give out the things that I felt like I wasn't really getting enough of. Mm -hmm. And so time is my biggest asset right now because I've switched my business around to doing less one-on-ones because I really want to be able to talk to a greater number of people, but I'm so afraid. (laughs) I'm so afraid of putting myself out there. And you were just always one of those people who I felt like I could just have a conversation with. So that's why when you had offered, I was like, oh my God, if I don't offer this, <laughs> I am going to be so, I'm going to be so angry with myself if I don't at least make the offer. Because I think there's a lot of times we just sort of recoil inside of ourselves thinking that no one really wants to, I guess, reciprocate. And so you're not allowing yeah. people to reciprocate if you're not actually giving and reaching out. And so I didn't want to stop that cycle. So I thought at least, you know. I would offer. And plus, I knew that you were kind of like an underdog rooter. <laughs> yeah, I am. Like, I, I, I am definitely rooting on the underdog. And I, and I have a punk rock podcast that's coming out. You know, it's like, I, I really, I'm just here to cheer on the, the, the misfits and the people that are different and the people that want to do things in different ways. Like, I really, truly don't believe there's one right or wrong way to grow a business. Like, I just... And that was like one part of like, cause my, my beach, your brand new program, which I'm no longer able to sell because of my divorce. Yeah, I was going to um, ask you about that too. Long thing going on. But you know, that program was really all about people kind of choosing their own adventure in business. It's yeah. like, yes, it had all of like the practical things that needed to happen to have a business put together. But 
everybody does it their own way, you know, and I've had people that have done multiple six figures. I have one student, she's just about to do a million in sales in about a year and a half. Um, you know, so it's like the things work, but she did it her own way too. You know, and I think so, that if you learn the tools of the trade first, which I think is so important because you teach people the basics in that program, like you teach mm-hmm. them the tools of the trade. What I don't think people understand is that that takes time too. Like, yeah, you have it's a to foundation. Make- and I always would tell people that I'm like, this is a foundational program because if you're not, I was like, oh, you know, if you're not building your 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 business on you know a solid rock you know, your business is just going to fall over. Like you're yeah. people are building their businesses on quicksand, just going for the quick bucks here and there. But it's like, there has to be the solid foundation. So that's why I create programs that way. And I have a new program that's coming out called the Nebula Institute. It's a new six week program. And by the end of it, every person will have a proven program that works with their clients or, or students. Some people could do digital and They'll have consistent leads coming in via webinars, and those webinars will be leading people to getting onto calls with them. Okay, so this is a one-on-one program, or is it going to be? No, it's a group program that I'm starting on the 21st, and I'm only charging $1,500 for it, too. Like, all the information that's in it is, like, at least $20,000 worth of information, but this is, like, brand new, so I'm starting it at $1,500, and then eventually it'll be a $3,000 program. Well, you always over deliver anyway. I go go hardcore. Like I go, I go all in, but my whole purpose is like results, results, results. Like the whole entire program is just going to be like, how can I help people get results? How can I help people get results? How can I help people get results? Yeah. It's just, I'm just focusing so heavily on that. I think that's the biggest fear with a lot of coaching programs. At least that has been my fear. And I've been through quite a few coaching programs. And of course, yours is one of the best. (laughs) (laughs) because it does teach you the foundations of everything. But I think now that people are just so suspicious, but I have to, you know, I have to give you credit for being one of the people who was about delivering information for free. You know what I mean? Like you came out and you were like, man, too many people are charging all of this money for stuff that really, you don't really need to be charging for. And so I'm just going to go ahead and start putting this information out there for free. Yeah. And it's kind of funny because, yeah, and I have a few stories about that actually about giving value. So we could talk about that on the, on the podcast. Once we get rocking here, we could talk about value and, and you even talked about yourself, like being visible. And I really, I've been talking about this like brave visibility. And so we could talk about that today too. Yeah. Well, just know that I'm already starting the recording Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> what happens is I'll get into these deep discussions before I even press the record button. And then yeah. I'm like, holy hell, I wish I were to record most of that because yeah. I always remember I have a fantastic editor and um, I was like, you know what? I'll just tell her where to cut and where if people don't want the information to be out there. And one of the things that I wanted to ask you is like, is there any subject that is off limits to you? Is there anything that you really don't want to talk about? No, nothing's really off limits. You know, I'm, I'm pretty open and pretty vulnerable about things. I actually just had a, a podcast interview that went out that was about like my birthing experiences. And I actually spoke openly about an abortion that I've had, about miscarriage, about, I mean, I just... I'm like at the Put it all out there. Like, I just don't even care anymore. Like I'm just putting <laughs> it all out on the line because I'm just like, you know what? Like, like it's one of those things where okay, so there's a lot of this like you know like this call out culture. Everybody's calling people out like, this person said this, this person said that, or whatever. Right. 
And I feel like, you know what? I'll just call myself out on everything. And then, well, you know, and, then think- and then no one could call me out on nothing. I'd be like, yeah, I already called myself out on that. Like, you, know? <laughs> you got nothing on me. Nothing and I think that's probably the most valuable thing that is ever happening with the digital online space right yeah. now. Because I've been, people would tell me all the time, they're like, you are so like, um, not honest. There's another word that they always, like, candid. They're like, you're candid, yeah. <laughs> and I'd be like, but it, wouldn't you rather it not? Like, I don't want to lie to myself. I don't want to lie about things. I don't want to have to hide any. That's more comforting to me than to try and figure out what lie I just told before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And everybody really hides things a lot in the online space. And I'm kind of just, I'm just over that. Like, I'm just like, you know what? Like, this is my life. And, you know, if I want to inspire as many people as Oprah inspires, like, I got to just share my story. You know, like, that's my end goal is like, okay. Oprah has inspired millions and millions of people. Okay, that's what I want to do. And she does that by sharing stories. She's just a storyteller and she right. brings out stories and people. That's all she does is yeah. stories. That's it. Like, but it connects us all though. That's the connection. I think that a lot of people are so afraid to put the whatever their story is, whatever they feel like they need to hide. Mm-hmm. I think that people are just afraid to put that out there for judgment because that's how I felt about everything. Yeah. And I think there's just one time, I don't know if it happened for you like all of a sudden or if it just starts to unfold because it's starting to unfold for me. It's like, I just don't care. <laughs> what could be the worst consequence by letting people know this? Yeah. And that's, a, that's very similar to me, but I think it's just because of like the way I grew up, you know, like I'm from a small town and where I grew up, like you were judged by anything. Like if you looked even a speck different than somebody else, like you were treated differently, you were, you know, judged. Like, I mean, so it's like, by the time I was in high school, I was just like, I just don't even care anymore. I'm not trying to impress anyone. Like you guys are like losers that live in Napa, Idaho, like sorry, Idaho, but most people there don't accomplish anything in life besides popping out a million kids. Like they really don't do anything. So no one does anything there. Most people don't don't go to college. They just don't pursue anything. And I'm just like, I'm not going to be like this. Who cares what these people think about me? You know? And then it's like, it just kind of evolved from there. You know, I started moving to, you know, bigger cities where I can like find like my tribe, my community, people that are more like me, more like-minded. And, you know, I just, eventually I just, I was like, oh, I just don't even care. Like if somebody don't like me, they don't like me. Like, I don't because like it's me. exhausting. Honestly, it's yeah, exhausting. Just trying to hide personality stuff. is Some people don't like me, even my personality. I don't care. You know, like, it doesn't and, matter. <laughs> and it feels good to be able to say that. So I have to ask you, is that where the blue hair comes from? Is it like a, and I was going to ask you this anyway, we just sort of segueing it into it, but is that where the blue hair comes from? It's kind of like this rebellious thing because you come from such a small town. And so the tiniest little thing that makes you different, you know, sort of makes you stand out and then people talk about you. Well, when I was growing up, like it wasn't really popular to have colored hair. I started coloring my hair when I was about 14, 15. And you couldn't even go to the salon and get your hair colored bright colors. Like it wasn't even a thing. And I, you know, I was always really different though. Like I, you know, I grew as I was growing up, I only liked girls and I was very much a tomboy. So I already look like a boy. <laughs> um, so I was already like different because I look like a boy and I didn't want to wear makeup and do all the other stuff that girls did. And then when I started getting into, you know, like I would say around ninth grade, that's when I was like, you know what? I really want to have a mohawk. 
And I just want to be <laughs> completely different than anybody else. And my senior pictures in high school, I have a gigantic pink mohawk. It's like 12 inches tall. Like I'm not <laughs> exaggerating. And I couldn't you know, find pictures of that if you can. They're, they're, they're on my Facebook. They're there. And yeah, like I just, I'm just a punk rock chick. And, and punk rock is, it's a way of life. Like it's an attitude and it's a lifestyle. Not everybody that's punk dresses punk. I think every person that is going out to change the world in some sort of way, being just loud and proud about who they are, they're a punk. It doesn't matter what you dress like or look like, like you're loud and proud, like you're, you're a punk, you know, and it's, it's just a type of mindset. And I decided to adopt it. And I think it was almost like, because I was so insecure so much my life, I think adopting like the punk rock was almost like an alter ego. And it gave me like a superpower. It was like having my mohawk and having that attention elevated me as a person. And it just, it gave me almost like a superhero cape. So Todd Herman has a book that's coming out called The Alter Ego. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's something where you can kind of put something on yourself until then you start becoming actually confident. I mean, I don't even need a mohawk now. I can shave my head right now. I don't care. You know, I don't because you're not. Yeah, you don't put your value in those kind of things anyway. Like your value is not in that. Yeah. And I mean, maybe it used to be when I was a teenager, but obviously I've grown as a person. You know, I have three kids, successful businesses and all this other stuff now. But, you know, it's like it was something where I could find my identity. And another big part about like punk rock is like it's very much about community. I mean, I got more hugs from punk rockers than any other community of people I've ever gotten hugs from. Like it is just a loving community. It is just it's so amazing because it's like the kids that feel left out the kids of the misfits they have a place where they can go to a punk rock show and be accepted like it doesn't matter if you're beaten by your parents it doesn't matter if you're poor it doesn't matter like what you look like how many piercings you want to have in your face it doesn't matter you are accepted no matter what what's the thing is like you never really you can't change the world by following the rules or something like that yeah being like everybody else Yeah. And it it was in a place of acceptance. You know, that's where I was, you know, first accepted for my sexuality. That's where I was first accepted for like, you know, wanting to have crazy pink hair. It was just where I was able to be accepted as a person. And I think everybody needs that. People want acceptance more than like anything, which I think is- Especially at that age when you're growing up and everything's just kind of awkward anyway. Yeah, everything is just so awkward. And then growing up in Idaho, you know, being a bisexual person, like you can't come out of the closet like at all. Like back then, you were <laughs> How long not- did you How long did you last in Idaho? You I, could not I, have- never, I never told anyone in Idaho. I had already moved away and I had never said a word to a soul. Right. Even my That's what I'm saying. Like, you didn't last too long. You had to get up and move yeah, out. Yeah, I moved out. Two weeks after high school, I was like, peace out. I'm moving to Seattle. Like, I, I'm out of here, you know? And I just I just left. And I've only been back to visit Idaho two times in 12 years. Like, I just don't... And that's probably because you have family there, right? Because I know you... I don't think you... You have to explain your upbringing with your family and how that whole thing plays into who you are and what you do right now. So, my upbringing was really, really crappy. Like, I mean, there's no other description words besides, like, damn, that sucked. (laughs) Um, You know, my mother was a single mom with five kids. She was extremely abusive. You know, I was called stupid every single day, you know, at nighttime me and my sister would be in bed and my mom would just come and rip us out of bed by our hair and force us to clean the house because my mom had these crazy OCD things going on. I mean, it was just very violent experiences. I remember going to, like me and my sister got really into singing because at night, 
we would sing ourselves to sleep because right. we'd be screaming and fighting. Yeah. And singing was like our only way to like drown out that noise because my mom would get mad if we turned the radio on. So we would just sing. And we're just like, well, what are you going to do? Cut our vocal cords out? (laughs) Or try to. Like I just like, so we would just sing ourselves to sleep. And, you know, like I just grew up in such a violent, raging environment. There was no love. There was no gratitude. There was no empathy for each other, no compassion. And so I don't even speak to my mother. My birth mother, I haven't spoken to in probably a little close to four years now. I don't speak to her whatsoever. I have family members I don't speak to at all. I have one brother and one sister I speak to, but I have three other brothers or no, four other brothers that I don't talk to at all. And they're, you know, drug addicts or, you know, living on the streets or, you know, whatever sort of situations. And so I just, you know, in and out of jail type of thing. And So I just, I made a decision when I was a teenager, like, don't end up this way, you know? And I- That's what I was going to ask you. Like, when did you make that switch? Like, when did you start to say to yourself, even from all that turmoil growing up, like, how do you end up where you are now? That's the amazing part for me. 10th grade. In 10th grade, my um, youth pastor had us all read the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective Teenagers. Yeah which is written by Stephen Covey and he's Mormon and everyone in Idaho is all Mormon. So everyone was reading this book, right? So I read that book and it had a, like a, a page in the book and you can like fill it in. It was kind of almost like a journal and book at the same time and you could fill it in and it had like a list of things like, oh, what are your top priorities in life? So my number one was to help women. That was my number one. I wanted to help girls and I wanted to help women. Number two was to share stories. I wanted to create documentaries and share stories. I wanted, you know, I just wanted to be a documentarist for a living. And then my third one was don't end up like your family. <laughs> so those Nothing specific my, other than that. Yeah. Like it was just, just don't end up like them. I was like, if I do everything the opposite of them, I will find some sort of happiness in life. You know, so I didn't do drugs. I didn't drink. I didn't have sex. I didn't do any of those things because I was like, I am not going to end up like my family. My mom had five kids with four different fathers. Oh, kids, and I don't even know who my father is I wow. at all. So, I mean, it's just growing up in this, this chaos. And I was like, I refuse. I refuse. Like, I know that I am put on this planet for something way, way, way freaking bigger than Nampa, Idaho, living in a shithole. I mean, if I would have stayed there, I probably would have been, you know, if, and I didn't put those principles in place of like, don't be like my family. I probably would have been, you know, doing drugs. I would have been knocked up when I was 16. I probably would have had a husband who was abusing me. I would have fit all of those statistics. And I chose not to. I was like, peace out by I'm not doing that life. So at one point, what do you, what makes you say to yourself, what, when does the digital space idea come to you? Like, at what point do you say to yourself, okay, certainly there's, I don't want to live like this. I know I don't want to live like this, but at what point, what is the changeover into you deciding that you were going to be this like digital online queen of the entire airwaves? (laughs) So... Um, I've, I've always been very entrepreneurial as a kid because my family didn't have money. We're so poor. I used to go to all the neighbors' houses and pick all the dandelions out of the yard and put it in a bag and then go up to the front door and knock on the, on the door and say, Hey, I picked all your dandelions. Can I have $5? You know, like I had to figure out ways to make money. And hustle. I mean, I used to also steal a lot. That's a good one. 
like I was, I mean, it was definitely a thief from the Walmart that was down the street. Like that Walmart opened, I stole so much stuff in that Walmart as a kid because I didn't have any money. And my mom just wouldn't buy us anything. Like even if I needed chapstick in the winter, I had to steal it. I had no other way to get it. Wow. And so, but I ended up becoming very entrepreneurial and, and, and clever. And so I started figuring all these sorts of side hustles to make money. And so that my first one was doing dandelions um, out of people's yards. And then, and then eventually when I was 17, I started booking concerts because obviously I love punk rock. And so started doing concerts. I ended up doing concerts when I lived in Seattle for a while. Then I went back down to Idaho for a little bit. I started doing some more concerts there. And then I just, some of my friends, they're, they're in a band and they were going on tour and they said, and I was like, yo, like take drop, like take me on tour with you and just leave me in California. I was like, I'll sell your merch. I'll manage the tour. I don't care what I got to do. Like I leave me in California. I'm freaking sick of this place, Idaho. So I go to California I start working with a few booking agents there. I end up touring around with punk bands. By the time I was 20, I mean, I was just like living the life. Like I was touring all the time, seeing the world. All my friends from Idaho were so jealous. They're like, oh my God, Kim Ryan, like you escaped, you know? And they were just like, <laughs> you could so, do the same. Because yeah. you left with absolutely nothing. Like you didn't have any money to I your name. dollars in my pocket when I moved to California and just my backpack. That was it. And then I just slept on couches. I ended up to make to make full-time money. I got a job at a dry cleaners. So I was working under the table at a dry cleaners. Um, and then the rest of the time I just started touring and and booking shows and making like little bits of commission here and there from that. And then touring was like the best part of it all. You know, I got to experience life because being raised in a small town like Idaho, you're very sheltered. So I got to like, I was like, oh my gosh, it's like a whole other world. You know, like it was crazy. I've never been to Idaho in my life. I've been flown over it, but I've never actually been to Idaho. Idaho is beautiful. Like there is a lot of beauty in Idaho, but I mean, for the most part, it's just a pure shithole. Like it's just, no, like it just, sucks like there's nothing to do it's so so you really feel i mean i mean they got a whole foods there now so that's pretty cool but i mean stepping it up they're stepping up a little bit but it's like it's just unless you like if you like outdoor stuff great perfect place to live if you don't like outdoor stuff there's nothing to do so um so yeah so it's it's one of those places where it's just like a black hole and just people just get sucked in and anybody from small towns is like this it don't matter if you're from Idaho or Ohio. Like, it don't matter if you're from a small town. And I'm from a small town, too. If you're from a small town, you're just like, oh, my God, get me the hell out of this place, you know? (laughs) That's how my dad was like, man, get out of here. Go go see the world. Go do something bigger. Go go see the – yeah, exactly. Go see the world. And that's – I was just like, there's something much bigger for me. Like, I, that's just it. Like, I know it. I know that there is something bigger for me and I'm just going to go for it. And so anyway, so after high school, you know, I started, you know, growing, you know, businesses, booking concerts, kind of just bouncing from place to place. And it was fun. I loved it. Then I met my husband and I ended up becoming pregnant. And when the economy crashed 2009, that's when I had my son. So we both ended up on welfare. I was living at my in-laws house. And there I was feeling like a complete freaking loser because I'm like, my life get away from that life. to not be like my family. And oh my God, I'm on welfare. And I'm like, oh my God, like this is crazy. Like <laughs> what the hell? You know, this is chasing me. So I started reading business books. I started reading personal development books. I tried to have Etsy shops. I tried like I had this. I had a humanitarian blog, which is like, how the hell am I going to make money on a humanitarian blog? All I'm doing is promoting other people's nonprofits. But anyways, I was just like trying, trying to do everything. all the hustles. Like I was yeah. whatever I can do. I'm just going to do it right. 
you know? And, um, and so that's, that's what I did to try to get money, you know, to get diapers and things for the, for the kids. And after my second son was born, I was just like, F this, like, I am just done with this life. And, you know, I, I told my husband, I was like, we, we're going to manifest you a job. Like that's the next level up. Like I was like, cause we didn't have nothing. And so one of my friends from Idaho posted, Oh, there's all these jobs in North Dakota because there's a big oil boom up there. And so I go to my husband, I was like, yo, like you're going to North Dakota. <laughs> like, and he's like, what? And I was like, I was like, there's a bunch of jobs up there for men. Like this could be our way, like off of welfare. And so, um, two weeks later he left on, it was on mother's day and two kids, my youngest son was, or yeah, yeah, my oldest son was three. My younger one was, he was only like three months old and he freaking took off and went to North Dakota and he got a job working for FedEx. Mm-hmm. And then eventually we ended up moving to Virginia across the company to follow a job because I was not going to move to North Dakota. So I was like, that ain't happening. So we ended up moving to Virginia. And when I moved to Virginia, I, I moved to a small town. I was like, great. It's like being back in Idaho again. It's like I'm off welfare, but now I'm in a little town with 10,000 people. So I'm like, okay, well, what am I supposed to do? You know. So I became a bored housewife is what happened. I tried to get jobs, but that didn't work. And even if I got a job, I wouldn't have had enough money to put the kids in daycare anyway. So yeah, I was just I like, okay. story. you know, it's like the story. I was like, Oh, all my money would have went to straight to daycare. Like there's no point in even getting a job at the target or whatever. Me and so, my husband did it the same way too. Cause if, yeah. if I would have been working, why would we just literally been paying for daycare? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, that's pretty common. So, so I was just like, eh, like I'll just be a stay at home mom. And I became like this bored housewife, but I had started this Facebook group that was called the vegan mama's tribe. And this group ended up getting like 80,000 people in it at like its biggest point. And, um, it was like then, like, what was the year for that? 10 years ago, I started that group when I was pregnant with my first son. Yeah. So that whole time when I was on welfare and everything, like I was just curating this community. My gift is building community. That's definitely my, I would say my strongest suit out of everything that I have is building community. Yeah, and I agree. So I had this Facebook group and then I, I was becoming really bored just being a housewife. I was like, oh my God, like I'm going crazy. Like everything in the house is clean. Like what am I, so am I supposed to do? You know, like I just feel like sitting there like looking around, like twiddling my thumbs, you know? And we didn't own a computer. So, you know, I say to my husband, I was like, you know, like, I really want to start a blog. Like, I've already put all this content in this Facebook group. And I just would use my phone to put content in there. And I was like, I really want to, you know, like, grow like a, like a blog or something. Because some of the stuff I could copy and paste and put on a blog, right? And he's like, okay, like, when we get our tax return, you know, like, let's get a computer. And I was like, well, I want, like, a really good one. Like, I was yeah. to a podcast and, like, all these people have iMacs. So... <laughs> You know, like, I think I need to get one of those. And he's just like, well, that's going to be like all the money. And I was just like, well, I'm going to commit to this pod, this, this blog. So I think we should do it. So I convinced him to get me an iMac, which I didn't even know how to use. I had never used a, an Apple computer in my life. So I get this iMac and I'm just like, what the hell is Safari? Like, that's the internet. So I open up that and then I just start Googling, you know, because I knew how to Google. I can do that much. <laughs> I go on Google and I'm like, how to start a blog? And then that like led me on my journey. Like I started blogging. I had a vegan mommy blog. And within eight months, I had gotten over 100,000 unique views a month to my blog. I was using Pinterest because Pinterest was something I already used anyway. I loved Pinterest because I was all about like, because back then we didn't have like, like convenience vegan food at the store. Right. 
had to make everything from scratch. Like now it's like, yo, you could buy vegan sausages. I was like, yo. Everything's I- so much easier oh, now. And I definitely want to talk to you about the whole vegan mommy yeah, thing I for sure. That from scratch, you know, like, you know, I'm like, what? Like, You're making your own soybeans and squeezing yeah. out the water trying to make some. I know. <laughs> like, yeah, so. But that's why we loved Pinterest so much is because it was a place where we could all swap our recipes and stuff. Yeah. And so anyways, you know, I started growing my Pinterest. I got, I, I mean, I had some pins that had over 20,000 repins. It was insane. Like it was, you know how like there was all of those like, you know, like 30 day challenges and stuff. Well, I was yeah. like one of the OGs of that. Like I was, like, I was like doing like these like, oh, five day challenges, 10 day challenges. Like I was doing all these things and like get people. I remember like, you were your story too. And you would said you would talk, you would like watch creative live all day long. And that's how oh, you learned how to do yo, so much. I learned, yo, I saw sat down and there was like this creative live. It was like a four day thing on like digital marketing. I did not move my ass out of my seat for like four days. And I had a friend who was living with me. She was having um, some health problems. And so she wanted me to like get her like into like you know healthy vegan lifestyle. And so I was like, oh, yeah, well, you could like move in with me for like a few months. You could help me like with the kids. I'm like trying to like do this blog and like start this business and stuff. And I sat there for four days and she thought I was nuts. Like she's like, you are crazy. Like I was like, no, I can't even miss this thing. I was like, luckily on Creative Live, they had breaks so I could like go to the bathroom and make the kids a sandwich real fast, you know. But I sat, there, I took so many notes. Vegan I had like, sandwich pages and pages and pages of notes because I was like, I am going to be freaking badass at this. Like, I don't care what anybody says. And I'm going to learn online. I was like, I don't have a freaking college education. I can't go to business school. There's no business schools and stewards draft. Yeah, but sometimes that really yeah. doesn't help you at all, though. And yeah. that's a totally separate conversation. Oh, but yeah, yeah. But, like, that's that. what yeah. I thought I needed. I thought I was like, you know, but I was like, you know what? I'm just going to be committed. And my commitment and, and that's going to get me where I need to go, you know? So I just became obsessed. And and, and my my YouTube channel ended up getting about 25,000 followers. And this all happened in like an eight-month period of time. And one yeah. of my family friends, he's been a, an online marketer for many years. And he's like a like kind of like a hardcore salesperson, right? And and so he had he had hit me up and he was like, yo, like I see like you've been posting about your blog and stuff. He's like, how's your blog doing? And I was like, well, I got a hundred thousand unique views last month. And he's like, how the hell did you get that? Yeah. Like, what are you doing? That's, and I was, the, that's one of the questions I definitely want to ask you because a lot of people, and that's why I think time frame is so important because, and it's important for me too, because I think it's checking me well as well, yeah. because so many people, when they start off with something for you, it seems to, have, it seems, I'm, not, I'm saying seems in air quotes, like it seems to have come so easily. And for people who are just now getting into the space because it's becoming overcrowded, because a lot of people are saying you should get online and start writing your courses and all this other stuff. But then a lot of people forget to say that you have to have a lot of value as well, especially now to be able to stand out. So yeah. for someone like you, who it seems to have come, so seems like I'm saying that in air quotes, because obviously it wasn't easy, but I'm saying it's like, how do you, what is your best advice for someone coming from the background? Because so many people are fold under, under such simple things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and but you have gotten through so much and it's like you you were determined and destined to be in the place that you are right now. So how do you, what do you advise for people, especially in the online space? Because it takes so much longer than I think what people are willing to admit. Yeah. Well, it's what they're willing to admit and even what they're willing to put in, you know, like, I've had to work on my mindset. I've had to heal oh, yeah. my trauma, you know, and I, ha- I mean, I had to have a very high belief in myself in order to do this. Yeah. You know, like I truly had to genuinely love myself, yeah. you know, believe in myself. 
Because I mean, I had friends who were in my my vegan mama's community, and when I was starting to build out this business, my 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 blog, they were like, "Well, isn't that taking away a lot of time from your kids?" I was like, "My kids are gonna be fine. They're sitting here chilling right next to me the whole time while I'm doing this." You think it, when they see mama pursuing their dreams, yeah, that's the are, best. That's thing what ever. my kid. That's what my kid needs to see. Like I was like, who, "Like you think my kid cares if the laundry is piling up?" No, my kid don't care. You know, my kid just wants to play and run around and climb all over mama. Like, yeah. they don't care if that stuff's piling up. They don't care if I was the one doing the dishes or not. I mean, even now, it's like I barely ever do the dishes. I barely even know how to use the freaking dishwasher because <laughs> I have nanny and a personal assistant. And you, got people to do you know, like, like, and when I lived in my old apartment, I didn't know how to use the washer and dryer. I had to, like, call my nanny. I was like, which button do I press? Like, what which, spot, which spot does the soap go in? Because she was, like, gone on vacation for, like, a week. I was like, I don't know what to do. You know, so and it, and I'm just like I don't care. You think my kids care who did the laundry? No, they don't they, know the difference. The, the yeah. only difference that they know is if mommy's happy. Yeah, That's exactly. They and they get to cuddle with me every single day. They get to spend time with me. And so I think there's all of this stigma of like, oh, if you're a mom and you're like working, like and you're running your business full time, like you're not spending as much time with the kids. And people try to shame you for that. Like, oh, how much time are you spending writing your blogs every single day? I'm like, what the hell? Is that no, they're trying to make it. They're trying to make you force. They're trying to force you to make it look like they how they think it should look. Yeah. And it's, it's ridiculous. No, you can't be a perfect wife all the time. That's not possible, whether you're a stay at home mom or a working mom, it don't matter. Like no one's perfect. And so it's, it was, so it was kind of crazy. Like that, that I had even friends that were kind of like, Oh, you're doing all this stuff. But, and, but I think part of it was, is it was reflecting that they didn't have the ambition to do it or they didn't want to commit to doing it. Or it's putting the mirror up to them because that's it's that's essentially what you're doing. And I remember all of those Facebook lives that you would do, and you were always you're just like you are now. You're just a very raw person. And even when you you when you really fuck something up, like you'll come in and you'll be like, "Man, I really fucked this up," and I do apologize, but I'll do my best to get everything back on track. Like I remember those things because I think far too many of us really try to go and hide in a corner and or try to cover it up, which I think just makes everything so much worse no and I always I'm the first person to admit my faults like even like in dating I've been single for the past 18 months even in dating like I'm just I'm like yo like I I shouldn't have said that I did not mean that I was having a bad day I really apologize here's some chocolate or whatever the hell (laughs) 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 I'm sorry I'm the first to admit I'm wrong always and I think that that is something that I had to learn over the years because I used to not be a person that would admit when I did something wrong. Like I was embarrassed. I, I wouldn't want to say, you know, and you know, like even today, like there, like are like there's this whole, the whole documentary, the surviving R Kelly thing. And, you know, Lady Gaga did a song with him and she has now apologized and said, you know what, I'm getting that song removed off of iTunes. I'm no longer going to be streaming it. You know, he had I, such a long lineage of just enablers. Yeah. 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 And I don't, I, I don't know. And it's kind of like, I hate to even bring this up, but it's kind of like the Bill Cosby thing. It's like everybody does the, whatever that they feel they need to do to protect themselves, whatever yeah. it is that they were connected with him with. And then because yeah. there was a woman that came out a million years ago and she kept coming out and saying that this man has done this to me. He's an abuser of women. He drugs people. He does this, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, oh, my God, like, why isn't anyone listening to me? Like this woman yeah. has been saying this story over and over again. And it really yeah. wasn't until some comedian had come out and mentioned it. 
And then all of a sudden, everybody was interested in the story. And like, why does it have to be that way, though? Like, why does it take so much time? It's crazy. And I think we're now in a time where it really takes personal leadership. I mean, there's there's a particular software that's out there that I don't purchase or support at all because the owner is racist. He treats his employees badly, like, and I, and everyone's like, oh, raving, oh, this is the best tool ever, blah, blah, blah. Hell no. Like, I was like, I don't care if that is the greatest online tool there is on the planet. I am not going to participate. Yeah. Period. You know, and I think- and how do you too- help people like that find their voice to be able to take a stand and, and be it, combative against something? It's hard. And honestly, I don't think everybody's meant for it. And that's another point is like every, not Not every person is meant to be an activist. Like I'm an Aquarius. Aquarius is we're the most like progressive sign of the Zodiacs. Like we are the (laughs) ones who, like that's what I call it the age of the Aquarius. Like we're very progressive. Like we were always the activists. Like, I mean, when I was a kid, my brothers called me Lisa Simpson because I was always an activist about something. Because on the sense that she was always advocating for who the hell knows what, you know, and that's me, you know, and so I, I need for the little people. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I'm, I'm here for the underdogs, you know, like, and so I, I really feel like not every person is meant to do that. There's a role. There's a role for activism. There's a role for people where it's more activism in their personal lives, like the way they raise their kids or the way they they have relationships with their spouse or like that. Those things create change just as much as a really loud activist like I can create change. Wait, wait, let me stop you for a second. So you are an introvert. Is that correct? Technically, yes. (laughs) And I'm saying this because I'm an introvert too. Mm -hmm. And so when I think that's one of the reasons why I was drawn to you is because, you know, here's this girl, she claims to be an introvert and she's out there talking. (laughs) (laughs) No, but honey, because, you know, as an introvert, and I know that you're very open about this too, is you know, you need that recharge, like you Mm -hmm. need to spend time recharging. And so I wanted to ask you, like, how, what are the ways that you find that helps you recharge for yourself to be able to go out and continue to do the things so you can fight for the underdogs and the little people? I mean, a really good one lately is sex. That's a really great way to recharge. I feel like that really connects me and makes me really grounded, uh, having that intimacy with another person, because it is like when you are kind of like, all the spotlight is on me because I have so many followers and all sort of stuff. Yeah. I really need to ground myself. And so sex is one of the ways that I like to do that. So I have like, you know, really good kind of friend with benefits person right now. And that works out really great for me. <laughs> Make um, it work. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it works. It works out great. I mean, I don't have a ton of time to have a full blown relationship anyway. So, um, you know, I'm I'm free, I'm hustling over here. You know, so um, so I think you're yeah. beyond the hustle. I'm beyond. I'm beyond the hustle. I need to make a shirt that says that. Thanks. I'm I'm writing that down right now. Beyond the hustle. Um, so. I'm literally writing that down. I'm like calling my assistant like right now. I'm like, no, because I have so much respect for you. You don't even know. So I, I'm so like, um, you're so inspiring. Like just for you talking to me right now, it's just an inspiring experience um, because I get so much from watching you um, engage with others, especially 
as you know, as an introverted person. Well, I think the internet makes it easier for introverts, to be honest, because I can just Yeah, I don't think so. Things. Because it's about an exposure. Like it's that yeah. level of exposure. And but I think when I write, I write like I'm talking to one person. Right. And I think that's why so many people can relate to what it is that you're saying. Yeah. I act like I'm just talking to my friend, like just sitting across from me. You know, that's the way I always verbalize things or, or put things in writing. And, and even now, like, cause I'm not the most, I'm not like the best writer, but like, what I do is I'll share a story and I'll just record it on an audio. Then I'll that, but man, your emails are incredible. Like, I don't know what you, if someone writes those for you. But I've been I, writing them myself over. Well, the thing is, is I had a copywriter for several years and then I decided, well, if I keep having a copywriter, I'm never going to get good at writing copy. So I decided to let go of my copywriter and I've been writing the copy myself. And what I do is I record them onto audios because I'm much better at speaking it out. And mm-hmm. then I just type it up for me. So she listens to it and types it for me. And then I go in and I edit and tweak things and make it so there's like, you know, some of the marketing stuff in there because obviously I'm a, you know, I got I to sell stuff in my ear. <laughs> But it's seamless, though. You don't feel like you're being sold to. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. And it's one of those things where I'm just a storyteller. That's all I want to do is just tell stories. I'm like, if I if I lived in like the 1800s, I wish I was the tribe person that everyone just like sat around in a circle and I would just tell stories. Like that would be like my dream life. Like I was probably that in a past life or something, you know, like that's my role on this planet. Is I know one of the things that you said before is that you said you wanted to be some kind of famous. I remember you saying Mm -hmm. that. And I can't remember if it was on one of your Facebook lives or if it was in an interview. And And I wanted to ask you, like, do you think it's... At some point, do you feel like you might lose yourself? Because you said sex that keeps you grounded. Like, I yeah. know that what's in my future. And so my one of my things is like, I don't want to be that stuffy. <laughs> yeah. That's stuck well, up, think, you know? But the thing is, is we think celebrities are that way. But I actually know celebrities. Like, and they're not that way at all. Like, they're just down-to-earth normal people. And I I think because I got exposed to so many musicians and stuff, like when I was, you know, 19, you know, 18, 19 years old, and some of them are very, very, very famous with millions of followers. And they're just regular down-to-earth people. And I got that exposure, you know, at such a young age to actual celebrities. And so I got to see like, wow, rich celebrities are just down to earth, really cool people like that. And and actually, usually they're a bit more hippie than they seem on the outside. They're all like, oh, here's these. They're the ones that introduce me like, oh, here's these essential oils. And you got to <laughs> mix this homeopathic thing into this like water. I was like, wow, what's homeopathy? Like, this is amazing. Okay, you know, true. So they, yeah. So they were like super hippies, man. I was just like, Jesus, like what's up, hippie people? Um, and so, so yeah, so it's like, it's, you get to choose who you are. You know, I don't feel like, you know, having money or anything has changed me. I mean, I don't go around buying Louis Vuittons and fancy stuff. I mean, the most expensive boots I own are a pair of Doc Martens and I wore the same ones for four years. You know, like, I'm like, I don't like, like money has not changed who I am at all. I have friends from Idaho who can vouch for this. Like they'll go and comment on my post and like, God, Kimra, you have not changed at all. Like you're, you're still the Kimra we have always known. And I think I'm, that's part I'm, of your charm and your appeal too. I'm more true to myself. And Will Smith actually has a, has a quote about, you know, money just amplifies the person. Right. And that's all you are, of course. Yeah. Because a lot of times people say money is the root of all. You was like, no, I think that kind of depends on money is the root to being able to be a humanitarian. 
to right. be able to be able to serve the world, to be able to be able to to help at a high capacity. Because there's right, and that's your you. who aren't even famous at all. They just have lots of money and they're able to open up all of these organizations and stuff like that. And I recently became friends with this guy. He was a billionaire by the time he was 19 years old. That's incredible. I mean, it's insane. I was like, wait, what? And I was playing phone tag with this guy. And I was just like, you what? Like, Because I, I, I didn't know who he was. Someone is like, that for real? You're like, is that for real? Yeah. And he has eight kids. Like he's like super down to earth. He like lives in the country, like outside of Nashville. He like helps people like heal from trauma and all this stuff. And I'm just like, wait, what is going like, but he's able to help people at a bigger capacity because he was able to build the wealth. And that's the appealing part of me, for me, about building wealth is being Mm -hmm. able to help. For me, with with my kids, they're both art farts because they live in L.A. right now. And so my thing was like, we have a lot of their friends that come to us and be like, man, I wish our parents supported us the way you guys are supporting your kids. Mm -hmm. My thing would be like to start a foundation or something that would help people, you know, help just kids pursue their dreams, not have to, not have to do yeah. this whole thing with you, you gotta get a degree and you gotta get, cause that's what our and parents did to really, us. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm very much for that too, because it's like, I didn't have that support system. Like my mom wasn't cheering me on, you know, like, I mean, she was telling me I was stupid every damn day, you know? So it's like, she wasn't cheering me on for nothing. And so I, I had to just build that inside myself and cheer myself on. Like nobody else was going to be my cheerleader. I had to do it. With my Sacred Mama brand, I have a book that's going to be coming out. I'm hoping in the next six months, but I might wait because I've kind of gotten um, some some messages from my guides to not work on the book. I found the copywriter. I know who's going to be helping me write, but my guides have been telling me, wait, 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 it's not time yet because I want the book to have like the biggest impact possible. And so my book is going to be a memoir of my life and it's going to be called um, Moondoll. And then under- Moondoll. Yeah. M-O-O-N-D-O-L-L. Yeah, Moondoll. And there's going to be a whole brand underneath of that and there's going to be a, um, a series of books for teenage girls. Oh, nice. And there's going to be like actual like little like figurines and stuff that they can have. Kind of, you know, like those little like pops dolls that are like really popular like that are all the little action figure little like little dudes i'm gonna have like a whole series of dolls that are those and then like keychains and stuff so they can pick ones that identify most with them and they can have that on their keychain with them all the time so they kind of have that super so they can create their own alter ego yes exactly type of thing and and i want the books to be geared towards teenage girls my main book beautiful be, camera um, it's so beautiful but eventually those other books will be. And then I already spend time now going to um, high schools and I speak to the young girls that, you know, they call them at risk. I hate it that they call them that. I keep telling the schools, I'm like, you can't call them that. Like That's it's labeling it's messed, them. It's messed up. Like stop calling them this, you know? But, you know, there are the kids that come from the really troubled homes and there are the kids on welfare with the single moms and, and all this stuff. And when I go in and I tell them my story, they're like, oh my God. God, you know, and they, they, they will listen to anything I say. Like it's because they see I'm popular on social media and that that's what influences. And that is so encouraging, Kimmer. I'm telling you, when you do stuff like this, or when you are reaching out to people that, well, I would say less so, (laughs) not that I'm always going to be, but you know, it's, it's so invigorating and it's so inspiring. And I just wish more people would Think in terms of that way. I don't have a small audience. I mean, mine, I've been working on mine for a long time. So it's not a huge audience, but it's not really small either. 
you know, so it's even if your audience is small, you still have influence. And I think people kind of forget that. Like you never know who's watching. Like I'll have people that have been like, Oh, I've been your Facebook friend for like three years, Kimra. I've never you know, reached out to you, but I, I really just wanted to say, I'm so grateful for everything that you post. And I'm so, I'm like, I'm like, well, I'm like, thank, like, thank you for messaging me. Thank you for the kind words. Like I didn't like, I don't know who you are, but I'm, I'm glad you're getting value out of what I'm putting out on this planet. Right. You, know? you never know who's watching and it could be a very small audience. It's like, even it could be your 100 Facebook friends. It doesn't matter. Whoever's listening to this, you can inspire people, you know? And I thank I, you for reminding me about that. Cause I think sometimes we forget unless you have that you had to start off somewhere too. Everybody's mm-hmm. got to start off somewhere. And yeah. so if you're not believing it, essentially, essentially what you're saying is don't, not believe in what you're saying because you had to believe in yourself and you had absolutely no evidence of it that anywhere. Yeah. And you're telling me like, Oh, you're so amazing. Camera, blah, 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 blah. You know, like I didn't have all these people that were, you know, just cheering on camera. I had to conjure that up and cheer on myself. And of course I had some close friends and some people who believed in me, you know, like my ex-husband and his family, like they, they definitely That's great that you have a great relationship. When did you know that your relationship was starting to go on? the decline because Um, that was while you were escalating in your business I remember this yeah well after I had my second son when we were still on welfare I was already fed up at that point and I was just like I am not gonna live my life like this like you need to support us. Like I'm going to go crazy. Like I've already been trying all these businesses. I've been getting all these crappy part-time jobs. Like you need to go out and support us or I'm freaking out of here, you know? And then he, you know, that kind of lit the fire under his ass and he got the job. And then our relationship was actually really great for, I would say like three ish years. Like it was really great. And I ended up pregnant with my third son. And while I was growing my business and stuff, it started to decline a lot because you know, I started hiring more people and I was just like working so much and we just became very disconnected from each other. It wasn't like, oh, we hate each other's guts and we were fighting and screaming every day. It was more like, you know, we're just not, we just don't have that level of intimacy we had before. We just didn't have that same connection we had before. And we still care about each other. Obviously we care about each other's well-being. You know, he's the father of my kids, you know, obviously I care about him, but it's just, we weren't in love anymore. And I think that's what it boiled down to is like, we're just not in love. And we did all the therapy. You know, my third son was born and he was like six months old. And I was like, I really want to move to New York. Like, let's go. And then we'll work on our marriage and all this sort of stuff. And we did all that. You know, we like $80,000 in therapy and coaches later, we were just like, you know, like, this it was not without good. trying for yeah, sure. Like we, we tried our darndest. I tell you what, you know, and, and it, it didn't work, but you know, we are, we do communicate, we do talk, we, we have the same belief systems on how we raise the kids. So there's not like a big friction that's going on. It's more like, you know, and I'm, and I'm still close with his parents. I mean, I talk to my mother-in-law, I talk to her almost every day, you know, I still ask her like parenting advice, like, oh, you know, this is going on with the kids. Like, what do you think I should do? You know, like, you know, she's, she was a great mother. She raised a great guy, you know, and my same thing with my father-in-law. So I still, lean on them for that support because I don't have my own family for that. You do you know? want to have any more children? Do you think the three kids? I do. I do want to have one more kid, but it really depends. I mean, I might end up dating a guy that already has a kid. So that might fulfill kind of like that, that desire. But I do, I would like to have one more. Um, I feel like there's just one more in me, but I, it is kind of a little bit of a risky thing for me. My youngest son is autistic. Mm. And so I don't know if that's more of a genetic trait. I mean, most of my family members don't like on my side of the family, 
you know, have all sorts of learning disabilities and ODD and all these other things and stuff. So I don't know, like, I'm, I feel like it's, it's more risky. It's kind of risky to have another kid, but I definitely would love to adopt. I would love to, you know, if I had a partner who had a a child, I would totally, totally love that and create a blended family. Like, you know, like I'm totally about that. Can Um, I talk to you about, uh, can you talk about autistic for a second? Only because I was just talking to my husband about this, I swear to you, the other day. And I think it was Tony Braxton has an autistic child. Mm -hmm. And I said, I don't think I know what autism is. And so I was like, shouldn't, you know, I feel like I should know more about it because it's talked so much about it. Like, what do you think the cause of it is? Because we were talking about shots because we have a friend who her child doesn't, she doesn't want her child to get um, any shots or anything like that because she's afraid that that it'll make her child more susceptible to autism. I was like, but is that a thing though? Is like, is that the cause of it? Like, do we know? They don't, I don't believe that that's the cause of it because my children have never had vaccines. So I know that it's not the cause in my children's case. They've never been vaccinated. But when it comes to autism, I do feel that a lot of it has to do with toxins that are in our environment and okay. in our just in our society in general. And they do a lot of they've done a lot of studies in Japan about the placentas in mothers and kids that are that have learning disabilities and and even just you know depression and anxiety and things like that. A lot of that comes from what was inside of the mother's placenta. Mm-hmm. And they do more of these studies in, in like Asian countries and things like that. They haven't done a ton of those studies here in the States. But a lot of kids, if they start detoxing their bodies, they start being able to either speak or they're able to start learning or they, they have better focus and, and all sorts of things that do happen when you start focusing on the nutrition aspects of kids that have autism. So to me, I think that's an indicator that there's something physical going on as well, which could be any sorts of toxins. I mean, even here, you know, in the, especially here in New York, and we have a lot of old buildings and a lot of the buildings have lead in them, mm-hmm. you know, and there's a lot of kids that end up with learning disabilities and just anger problems and all these things when they grow up in homes that like have these things. So obviously toxins do affect the brain. And so, and, and affect development. So, you know, I think vaccines could be a contributing factor to that, but I don't know if it's like the, the cause. I don't think it is, but yeah, my kids aren't vaccinated at all. I just have never seen the need for it with my kids. I wasn't vaccinated as a kid. Most of my, you know, my ex-husband's family, their kids aren't vaccinated either. And everybody's perfectly dang healthy. So like we've never had any, any major um, problems. And the only kid that actually was vaccinated had had a reaction when he was 18 months old and started having seizures. And I was pregnant with my first son when that happened. And I was just like, okay, well, I better, you know, research into this and all that type of thing. And, you know, like I just decided, you know, this is what's going to be best for us. And And I think, you know, for me, it's more the fact that I would want vaccines to be proven safe. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, because in, in Japan, they don't even start vaccines until kids are three. And then they do tests on the kids to make sure that they're not going to have a reaction to it before they give it to them. And well, that's that, the reason why we don't do that in the United States is because there's a re, or it's had probably money behind it or someone's yes, making money. Yes, it's probably very expensive to do it. And, you know, they really, they, and I mean, they push way more vaccines here than any other country, yet we have the sickest kids. Like, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, even in, in England, they don't even do chicken pox vaccines. Like, kids just get chicken pox, you know? Like, you just go to school, a bunch of kids got chicken pox. Okay, whatever. Like, it's just like, you know, like, it's just a normal childhood thing. 
And so, I mean, even in, you know, other countries that are similar to us, they, they don't even vaccinate for all the things we do here. And so here I feel there's a big money thing. They're, you know, they're giving kids shots the day they're born. I'm like, why does my kid need this the, the minute he pops out, you know, <laughs> like, come yeah. on, you know, so, um, so yeah, I've never, you know, vaccinated my kids and, and, you know, maybe one day I will when they, when they show, you when know, you feel like they're old enough to be able to handle it or if you yeah. feel like that they, they should be vaccinated against something, yeah, at least maybe they might be old enough to be able to make a choice in the matter or have exactly. a Exactly. My oldest son, I probably will end up doing the chicken pox vaccine because he is a already nine. And you know, if he doesn't um, catch it naturally, I'll probably end up doing that one. But you know, a lot of the other ones, I don't really see the need for them currently. And you know, maybe one day I will maybe not. I mean, obviously, you know, if my kids get surgery, they have to get a tetanus shot, you know, so there's, you know, if kids play soccer and sports, there's certain there's a few they they're gonna have to get in their life, just even in order to play things or do things. You know, obviously, if one of my kids, you know, becomes a nurse or joins the military or things, you know, obviously, they have to, you know, do those things. But most of that would be when they're adults or much older. And I feel their bodies can handle it better. Because if you think about it, they give the same dosage to a four pound infant to a three pound infant. And And when you when you talk about the ramification, well, when you talk about that, I think about the ramification because my kids were vaccinated. Mm -hmm. And it's not that I didn't try to, you know, know as much as I possibly could. But I think I could have educated myself more about the subject. Yeah, and it, and it's a really controversial topic, you know. And it I actually used to post a lot about it. And I have a friend who, you know, we've I've done some business partner stuff with, and she's a really big advocate of it because her child had some very severe um, reactions and now has a lot of neurological problems and things. Yeah. And and, her, and hers was completely documented. Like it is like legitimate. The doctors are like, this was the cause of it. Like, it's not like they're trying to hide it or something. Um, and so there, there are, there is things that can happen when we're injecting something into our bloodstream. Especially um, if you don't it, take the time out to study of what the, what an actual, who can, you know, have the most severe reaction from doing this to ourselves. Well, and, and the thing that's really sad is that, you know, the, the people that are having the most reactions are actually people of color. Um, and that's something that it makes me feel like they're pushing vaccines on people of color even more than everybody else. Um, My husband talks about that a lot because I think he's a firefighter and a lot of people say that he's like this crazy person. he, He is, but he isn't. But he was talking about how there's all these methods that are put on black people first before mm-hmm. they're ever put out into the general like, public. Yes, like the black people are the guinea pigs of right. them testing out these vaccines and, and things like that. And so, or just any sort of drugs or medications and, you know, and it, it's just, it, I mean, it's just sick, you know, and yeah. and I can't believe that it's still. But you're the crazy one because these are the things that you think. <laughs> You're the one who's crazy because none of this stuff is really happening. And I think that's, you know, as black, as a black person, that's, you know, what makes you crazy. And if I do say anything and if I show any sort of emotion, then you're the angry black woman. (laughs) So I mean, there's just all these things that you do want to speak up about, but you want to speak about it intelligently. Um, Yeah. And I think that there's, you know, there's interesting, you know, arguments about all, all different sides of things. And everybody's like, Oh, it's like science. Like, these drugs make people better and stuff. I was like, well, look at psychiatric drugs. I'm like, I don't really know anybody that ever gets off of them once they're on. Yeah. So hearing anything, you know, we had so- a stint with that stuff too. My husband and I both have had a stint with that kind of stuff too. 
Yeah. And it's, and it's kind of like, I'm like, you know what, like, I really feel like, you know, like our health and wellness just is not a priority for our government at all. And you have to fight your own fight. Like you really have to educate yourself and understand. I had doctors trying to like shove medications down my throat when I had postpartum depression. And I'm like, I don't want medications. I want to be happy. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that the big trick too, though? And you know what's really funny? I have to tell you this story and I'm not trying to drag this whole thing out. But someone was talking about, it was on my Facebook fan page and they were talking about being grateful and gratitude. And someone came on and they said, cause I posted something about gratitude and how much has changed my life. Cause I've had all these issues with anxiety and depression. And I went through all the medication all the counseling, all the therapy, all of this different stuff. Mm-hmm. And the thing that helped me the most was the fact that I just started off being grateful. And I felt everything about being grateful about everything that I was being grateful. I actually felt, I brought myself to those emotions and I didn't realize how much that was changing me. Until I figured out, like, I don't need all of these drugs and all these other things. So anyway, someone else came in and they were talking about how they've been depressed their whole life. They've suffered from depression their entire life. And my thing was like, yeah, but, you know, we can do something about that. And it doesn't have to be the traditional methods. Like, you can actually heal yourself because as long as I was reaching outside of myself to look for that solution, I was never finding it. You know, yeah. my husband's experienced the same thing. He's been hospitalized, like with all of that. Mm-hmm. And we're open about talking about that. And I think because most people aren't and they sort of, you know, huff and puff and they walk away, they don't understand that other people have had their experience too. And so they're not really willing to listen to it because you're sort of attaching yourself to that pain and still continue mm-hmm. to become whatever it is that you're saying that yeah. you are. Which if you're arguing that limitation, you are that limitation. Yeah. And I've been hospitalized multiple times for suicide attempts. I have been hospitalized when I had postpartum depression. I am diagnosed with with PTSD, ODD, or OCD, depression, anxiety, and ADD. And even right now, like I being on this interview, I'm doing stems, which stems are means like I have to have stimuluses in order to stay focused. And I'm literally sitting here doodling on a thing right now in order to be able to to cope and be able to focus on this interview. Um, so, <laughs> well, thank you so much you know, for doing that for me. <laughs> but I think there's a lot of stigma about mental health. And I have um, a podcast coming out called Brave Visibility with my friend Yasmin Anal. She's a high performance coach. And we have a podcast coming out that's specific about mental health and entrepreneurship because I find like it's kind of like us that have gone through all of the shit. That, become, yeah. that want to become entrepreneurs for some yeah. reason. And then we just... But that's the worst thing. That's almost the worst thing for depression and anxiety <laughs> is to be an entrepreneur. But it's because our di- we're different. Our brains are just wired differently. You know, we can't sit in a cubicle. You know, we're, we'll go crazy. Oh, man. Yeah, I tried that shit. I really, yeah. I tried so hard. I just couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, so so that's why, you know, I'm coming out with the podcast on that. Then we have a program that's coming out um, that, we're do- that we're creating with a neuroscience doctor and going to really start helping entrepreneurs like get on the right path to working on their mental health. And maybe for some people that is medications, maybe for other people, it's just regular talk therapy. Maybe for other people, it's go into a freaking shaman healer, you know, whatever that is, you know, that's going to work like that's what matters. And so we're going to we're creating a program on that because it is something that's so close to my heart, because obviously I go through this every single day, every day of my life. I have to use stems in order to stay focused because I'm so ADD. It's like ridiculous. 
Hey there, this is Velma Garns, and you have been listening to The Inspired Life with The Velminator. Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate you. Please check out the Keep Going Project. It's a coaching program where I help you push past your quitting habits to achieve your big goals. As a personal trainer for over 32 years, a group fitness instructor for a combined 36 years and counting, and as an exercise physiologist, I have helped thousands achieve their goals permanently. If you are interested, please go to www.velminator.com. That is spelled V-E-L-M-A-N-A-T-O-R.com and look for the Keep Going Project. I'll talk to you again real soon.